Hey, it's me, Dave Stone, former co-host of the Boogie Monster podcast. From 2016 to 2023, myself and Kyle Kinane got together each week to ramble on about ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, and other mysteries of the universe. Or at least that was our initial intentions. But if you've listened before, you know that it usually devolved into disjointed rants about vans and fried chicken. During that time, we also ran a Patreon page that offered up exclusive bonus episodes to our patrons, usually in the form of Q&A sessions. And even though the Boogie Monster is currently on an indefinite hiatus, we're offering up those old bonus episodes to the general population so that everyone can enjoy our old nonsense. Hopefully someday soon we'll dust off our microphones and resurrect the Boogie Monster, but until then, enjoy a blast from the past from your old pals Kyle and Dave. Thanks for listening. Starting and it's a rolling start. Oh man, up is down. Cats are dogs. It's a rough. <laughs> it's a rough one today. Oh man, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to. Um, what am I trying to say? You already told me what happened, we'll so talk, I'm not going to be like. So what happened? We'll talk on the regular episode. That's regular episode info. But I, I will say though, man, I hangovers are beastly. These days, yeah, you, you you hung over today. Like, I like I woke up I, the the Johnny Cash lyric appropriately from Sunday morning coming down as it is Sunday of the uh-huh. no way to ha- hold my head that didn't hurt. That's, yeah, I, like laying on the couch just couldn't get the elevation of a pillow correct. Just every which way, I was like, these are. These are, this is a, this is that, and the Catholic guilt, which doesn't let me take ibuprofen or anything for a hangover. Cause I'm like, <clears throat> you, ins- oh, really? you installed you still it. Adhere to that? Yeah. You installed it. You <laughs> remove it. And then especially it's Easter Sunday. <clears throat> I'm like, all right. Oh man. I don't want to be this guy, but Chris Christopherson lyric, Johnny Cash covered it, but that's. Oh, he did. It was Sunday. You can Sunday. be that guy. I need you to be that guy. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't know. And then I wouldn't know. Now I know a thing. Wonderful song, though. <clears throat> Willie Nelson covered it. Johnny Cash covered it. But yeah, Chris Gustafsson wrote it. It's uh, such a damn good song. That was one of my dad's favorite songs because uh, he used to tell me how much he related to that because uh, he he was married previously before he married my mom, and he mm-hmm. had a daughter from that marriage. And just he said so many of those lyrics in that song really hit home. <clears throat> just. Being drunk and missing your family, man. It, I, uh, I, I got, I got so much to talk about for a regular episode. But I, I, I yeah. the whole drive down here, I realized my formula at night are like crime podcasts because mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're 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 scintillating and intriguing, and you're driving at night and you have to listen and focus, and that's good for that. But daytime. Man, I was singing for hours. I was just singing, and I was I was singing. Uh, <laughs> I lo- some me first and the gimme gimmies, just some punk rock karaoke, and they did a uh, Sunday morning uh-huh. coming down. I damn near blew up, oh, blew really? up my vocal cords <clears throat> singing. So they do all covers, right? Yeah, they're just a cover band. Okay, that's cool. And man. they're and they're uh, and they're just fun. It's like dudes from Net- like No Effects and Lagwagon, and don't look, don't go to them for like a respectful version. Mm-hmm. Of a song you love. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. How was the trip down? You make it in one day, or what'd you do? No, well, I, I pulled over a little north of Redding. Redding seems to be the halfway point for me, so I was a little north of Redding. I just mm-hmm. parked and just crawled into bed. 
Because I can do that, oh, which is nice. Would you do a do a truck stop or Walmart? You no, do? I was just at a rest stop. It was a little noisy though. Yeah. Excuse me for a second. Hmm. <coughs> it's gonna be there. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry about that one. Let's hang on. <laughs> Hair of the dog beer going in right now. I'll be better. I'll, I'll be careful about it though. Um, uh, you're fine, buddy. Well, I know it's not. It can't be pleasant to listen to. And uh, yeah, did a rest stop and just wrecked out for a little bit, and then kept driving. Saw like four deer next to the road, which made me remember that you can hit those, and that's scary. Yeah. But uh, it's good, man. I think I'm, I'm digging this van. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to spruce up the inside with a little color, make it a little more um, soulful, I guess. It's very stark white. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's got a very Ikea slash hospital room feel. What adjustments have you made? I, I, I like putting blankets down that have like like a fun mm-hmm. Mexican blanket, putting some stickers on the fridge, getting it uh, yeah, getting it to look fun, you know, have some color in there. You know what helped me in the van uh, psychologically to make it feel bigger than it was was uh, I had a nice mirror. I had like a um, the typical, um, you know, the tall rectangle mirror. Sure. You know what do you? But I uh, I I hung it uh, sideways. Uh, right, right above the bed, and uh, oh, that that made it feel a little less cramped. Hot stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I want to make sure I know what I look like while I'm sleeping in this van. <laughs> oh man, I saw uh, it cut out on me, but you, I saw half of the video where you made coffee. How'd that work? Oh, pretty bad. I'm new to it. I appreciate oh, really? it, but I forgot that uh, there's real coffee freaks out there that were happy mm-hmm. to chime in with uh, with advice. But I did get, I uh, got an AeroPress, which I have not tried yet. So it's kind of more of a portable, foolproof, mm. way, foolproof way to make some coffee. I like coffee, especially driving. You need a little caffeine. So there you go. I'm going to use that soon and looking forward to getting to that desert, baby. Oh, man. Yeah. We're, uh, as we're recording this, uh, we will be in the desert tomorrow. And let me throw this out uh, to our patron. By the way, this is a patron uh, bonus QA. Thank you, patrons. Um, we're going to try to record a regular episode tomorrow in the desert, but we don't know if we'll have Wi-Fi to be able to send it in to our producer to to uh, to post it. So we'll just play it by ear. So the patrons will know if you don't hear from us uh, on Tuesday, that means we didn't have Wi-Fi, and uh, we'll drop that episode the following week when we get back to civilization. We'll try. <clears throat> try and get one out to mm-hmm. you. What's going on? Yeah, I'm stoked, dude. I've been... Yeah. Uh, I've been Chopping and and sautéing and baking and cooking all damn weekend, dude. I'm doing all the uh, all the grunt work at home. That way, uh, when we get out there in the desert around the campfire, all I got to do is open some Tupperware and throw it in the in the in the Dutch oven, and I'll be good to go. Hell got yeah. all kind of treats. Oh, they're slicing, dicing, spicing, and enticing, mm-hmm. baby. <clears throat> oh man, made uh, made some broccoli casserole this morning. I've uh, made all kind of made a bunch of purees. I got puree for uh carnitas. Purees for days. Carnitas tacos. Yeah. Uh what else have we got going? Um dude, we're going to have ribs. Oh, you and I I'm cooking. I know you said, "Hey, don't worry about me. Don't, you know, I'm a vegetarian. Don't do anything." But it's just you and I tomorrow. The rest of the crew's coming on Tuesday. So, we're going to do like some good grilled fish, maybe some collard greens. Maybe even some shrimp and grits. I'm thinking about a little shrimp and grit action. So I'm going to do a nice uh, seafood feast for us tomorrow night. I like that, man. I, that. I appreciate that. Thanks, buddy. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's going to oh. be fun. Made a jerk chicken marinade last night. Oh, boy. I've never done that before. Huge fan of jerk chicken or jerk whatever. For sure. But uh, <clears throat> Love some jerks. But I made my own. Made my own marinade. Oh boy, and it's uh, it's popping. It's um, there's a lot going on in that jerk. So uh, maybe I, yeah, like I said before, maybe uh, take a few shrimp, throw them in there for you. Get you a little jerk shrimp going. I do love a shrimp. Not shrimp I, jerky. No, as we've discussed before, <laughs> that was where I was confused. Um, I did. I'm still eating shrimp, but just to solidify my stance on octopuses. I watched. Mm-hmm. I watched the My Octopus Teacher, the documentary on Netflix. I haven't seen that. Heart wrenching. Hmm. It's yeah. It's real heavy, real enlightening. It uh, yeah. I, I already wasn't eating octopus, but oh man, they they are. <clears throat> I think they might be like the smartest creatures on on the planet. They seem pretty smart. Smart, yeah, not like, but I'll, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm just saying, watch it. We don't have to get into it here, but mm-hmm. anybody curious, you should watch it. It's very uh, illuminating, I'll say. I heard people talking about the the dude, the teacher. Yeah. Is he, what's his, is he a weirdo? A lot of people say, oh, he's going to fuck that octopus. The, all right, well, <clears throat> that's like saying, like, Jane Goodall was going to fuck all those gorillas. It just had a connection. Okay. He had, <laughs> An emotional connection with a creature, <clears throat> which we all okay. have. He's just, he was having a rough time in his life. He was, you know, he's a diver and swimmer, met this octopus, started being pals with the octopus, would swim out to it every day. And it would like, really? yeah, and it would like come and like, he would hold it and it would hang out with him. You know, he watched it learn how Is to it a- play with fish and do all this stuff. How big was the octopus? Not big. I mean, mm-hmm. it's because they can fluctuate in size so much mm-hmm. that when he's holding it, it looks like the size of probably like the size of Charlie or something. Huh. Yeah, I got to check that out. Octopus, mm. man. We talked about that before a couple of years ago, or maybe, I don't know if it's that long, but uh, yeah, some people think they might be uh, aliens, might have uh, alien DNA. Aliens, or how long does something have to be on this earth to not be an alien anymore? How long do you be, before you become a naturalized citizen of Earth, you know, if they've been around for millions of years? Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So it's it's uh, pretty fascinating, heartwarming. It's a good thing, I'd say. Uh, suggest it to everybody. All right, I'll check that out, man. Oh, boy. Well, what do you want? Right do you want to you want to answer some of these questions here? These c- kind folks. We might as well. I mean, I guess that's, that's what, what the whole episode's for. supposed to be about. Not us uh, talking out our ass. Yeah, this is the premium content. The content people are paying for. We got to step our game up, earn our keep. Let's get into it. Uh, we're pulling from the same batch as last month. So uh, I think somebody commented that like we always say that we'll answer the next uh, answer the rest of next month we never do. That's not true. We're doing it this month and this isn't the first time. I'm sure we've probably been guilty of that before in the past of like oh well, and then we you know ask for new questions or whatever yeah. but going to try to get this whole list knocked out or at least uh, at least the good ones. Well so. yeah, I sorry nobody's coming to the boogie monster for uh organization. 
Yeah, that's true. I'll say that. So that's on you. That's your four dollars isn't, buy, isn't with buying the... us getting our shit together any, <laughs> any better. Sorry. Started off with a great handle here, Tubby Dumps. Oh, Tubby that's Dumps. A, that's, that's a great handle there. Uh, he says, if you were to build a survival bunker, aside from the basics, what would be a frivolous item you'd bring if you could? That's a great question, Tubby Dumps. Uh, frivolous yeah. item in a survival bunker. Okay. Well, that's the thing about survival bunkers. You, you, you don't know how long you're going to be down there. It's also a subjective you know, term of what you would need to survive. <clears throat> that's true. But something frivolous that maybe you don't necessarily need for survival, but would still be entertaining and fun to have. I don't know. If I'm down in a survival bunker for months on end, I don't know, pool table? Oh, okay. Pool table might be nice. Uh, batting cage. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe you just need to take your bug out bag to the batting cages. <laughs> if some shit goes down, because it seems like it's a pretty secure, it's all fenced in. Mm-hmm. It might be a good place to build your bunker as at an abandoned batting cage. That's true. Aside from like obvious uh, conveniences like electronics and stuff, what's what's something you would like to have that's not necessarily survival necessary? But you know, let's say you're going to be down there for six weeks. You know, yeah, fallout shelter, it's chaos above ground. Let's go underground. Six weeks. We got our food. We got our water. We got our bedding and our clothes. Well, well, well I don't know. I, pool table. Uh, something to play music. Either an instrument, yeah. like a guitar, or some oh. device. Because There you go. You know, if people underestimate the survival thing. Underestimate. This is a dumb statement. But, like, you survive. Like, I always think about, like, oh, you're going to survive the apocalypse. Like, and then do what? You're going to walk around <laughs> the charred remains of humanity. Looking for what bit of flesh isn't rotten enough that you could still eat it? Like why? Like no, fuck that, man! I'll just go out. I'll just go out with everybody. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, I'd like the idea of like learning those skills to yeah. survive, and it'd be good to have those if you were, you know, out camping or something, or got lost in the woods. It's good to have that stuff, but if it's like humanity's wiped out. I don't know. Yeah, that's such an interesting premise. You know, did you see that show that was on a few years ago? What was it? Last Man on Earth, Will Forte. I watched some of it. It's, it's, I love, I've always been fascinated with that premise. What's that other, that movie, uh, I Am Legend? Any any of these post apocalyptic type stories. Yeah. It's fascinating to think about how you would react if, you know, you woke up one day and you're one of, 35 people on the entire planet. That'd be fucking weird. Yeah, I, I don't think... I, I I think something for music. I mean, it would have to be something to just mm-hmm. help you cope with the situation that you're in a survival bunker. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's I think that's probably the best answer. You know, drum kit... Guitar, piano, something that you could really uh, just submerge yourself in. Because that's the other thing, too. you got to think about passing the time and maintaining your sanity. That's part of survival, is maintain your sanity. Yeah. I watched uh, that show alone, and one guy was so good at it, he didn't win because he got bored and started going nuts. 
Really? Whereas these other people, like every day, like, oh, I have to hunt. Like they have these tasks to survive every single day. Uh-huh. Their whole day is filled with doing these tasks. And this guy was so good and had food stockpiled and a good shelter that he was making ukuleles and stuff. And he just started going nuts because he was bored. Huh. And like voluntar- so he- vol- voluntarily, like I'm going to like call tapped out. So like he was so like all the necessities he had covered, like it wasn't a challenge for him the way it was the other contestants. So he just lost his drive. Yeah. Well, imagine sitting there. I mean, this is exactly the thing. Like what's frivolous. I don't know if anything's frivolous, frivolous, if it's going to keep you mentally sound, Mm -hmm. like you could just sit there and eat some food and know you're safe and you have food. But then after that, what's your brain do? Yeah, That's why solitary true. confinement is a punishment even within prison. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, man, that would suck so bad. Be in the hole 24 hours a day. Yeah. Dude, I wonder if that's still a thing. I, I, I'm assuming solitary confinement is a thing, but, like, the old classic scenario you see in movies sometimes like the hole where there's no light either just you're just in a cell a dark cell with no windows no light god that would suck yeah i, I don't know if that surely that falls under like that, that can't and, happen that's what i mean i don't think it yeah. falls under like cruel unusual punishment or something <clears throat> but there's still it's that mix of like they still have to be treated humanely but then it's also still punishment so Mm-hmm. Just here, yeah. Here's a small room with nothing in it. You're gonna get food, oh. and there's a toilet, but then that's it. You don't get God, you don't get a book. Suck. You don't get anything. I mean that. Oh yeah, that's terrible. So, good question. That's a good question to ask yeah. anybody. Find out mm-hmm. what your priorities are. All right. Right on. Yeah. Thanks, Tubby Dumps. Tubby dumps with a heavy hitter out of the gate. <laughs> what else we got? Uh, Mikey, if you no longer could call the podcast The Boogie Monster, what would you call it? Also, something you guys should check out, a screwdriver fuck you cover, Voice of Memphis by Negro Terror. Memphis swapped out for Britain. Um, Negro Terror, are you familiar with him? I am from. I think out the singer Memphis. just passed away. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I think yeah. he died. Big dude. Big boy. Big fella. Um yeah. But man, they were pretty rad. Of all black punk band in Memphis, yeah, that's pretty covering rad. screwdrivers, mm-hmm. hilarious. <laughs> um, if we couldn't call the Boogie Monster the Boogie Monster, you, I think this was one of the names that we were tossed around, and you came up with it. And I want as much as I love Boogie Monster, I thought this name was perfect. Uh, or maybe you had it for something else, and I th- I wanted to apply it to the podcast. But uh, dipshittery. <laughs> I wanted to call it dipshittery. I think that's such a beautiful word. Maybe that. Th- maybe if we get an actual studio one day, that'll be the name of it. The dipshittery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dipshittery. I've only heard that used, other than you, I've only heard that used uh, one other time in um, Fargo Season 1 when uh, Tom Hanks' son screws something up and his lieutenant is yelling at him. And uh, he says, you're going to go apologize, and you're going to admit your wrongdoing, therefore absolving us from any dipshittery. <laughs> it's, a, it's an excellent noun. I love mm-hmm. it as a noun. Mm-hmm. Did we have any other names we were tossing around? 
I don't remember. I kind of, I just really liked the Boogie Monster. I thought it encompassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can tell we're not going to be serious about shit. Nope. It encompasses everything. What are you scared of? Mm-hmm. The Boogie Monster. People call it still screw up called the Boogie Man. Yeah. Oh, I get that. I, all I, I'm, I I'm not bothered by it. That's how some people learn the phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever. Uh, like if some you know a host was asking me for credits or you know what do you want to mention I'd always say yeah just tell him you know go host to the Boogie Monster and seventy percent of the time this next guy's uh, podcast the Boogie Man yeah that's fine I kind of just Close accept enough. it yeah it's all right <laughs> oh the uh, okay let's uh, yeah I, I don't know I, I, dipshittery's fun but Boogie Monster come on. We already made the yeah, merch, Mikey. What are you trying to do to us? We already made merch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, Sam McCauley. McCauley? McCauley? Uh, as comedians, do you two experience writer's block the same way authors and songwriters do? If so, what's your process for working through it? Also, stuffed, cr- stuffed crust pizza for or against? Um, stuff my crust, daddy. Stuff I like, my crusty ring. I, <laughs> Come on. Oh God. <laughs> uh I like I like the OG Pizza Hut stuffed crust. I do. Uh I gambled, rolled the dice a few months ago on Papa John's stuffed crust, and it, boy, I it sucked. And and I get that, you know, that's a that's low hanging fruit there. That's an old hack premise. Yeah. You know, they need more where where can we hide more cheese in the pizza? But it's nice. Hey, look at that. A little ring of, ring of cheese inside my crust. I like more I cheese. No Give me more that. cheese. It's good. Mm-hmm. I will say, yeah, Papa John's has fallen to the last in line of uh, of chain pizza places in Oregon, or in where we're living. Yeah. Surprisingly, Little Caesars coming in near the top. Not a thing Dude. I'd like to admit, but not Dude. bad. Dude. That pan crust, the square, the Sicilian style at uh, at Little Caesars, solid. Detroit style. Real solid. It's actually yeah, Detroit, Detroit style. style square pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's where they're based, right? Brownie pan. I don't, I, well, I don't know about that. I just know that that's, I learned that was called Detroit style pizza. I don't know why I feel like they <clears throat> are from Detroit. Anyway, um, um, what do you do with writer's block? You, <clears throat> at least once a year. If not two or three times a year, I will think that I have I have run out of ideas, and I can't mm-hmm. do more comedy. And uh, it sucks. It's always like, nope. The the best I've done is behind me, and accept it, and start thinking about what you want to do next with your life. Like that's how bad it gets. Yeah. Like I get real mm-hmm. fatalistic. But I, there's nothing that like I can't force myself out of it. Mm-hmm. It's just you you hit lulls and you still do shows and then you do shows and you get sick of doing the same jokes at shows, mm-hmm. or at least in my opinion, a good comedian should get sick of their material eventually, especially if you're just doing spots mm-hmm. in L.A. where you're trying to practice stuff and put it together for, a, you know, for a tour or for headlining gigs. Mm-hmm. And it just, I like, it just happened. Like one day, you're like, "Oh, that, I, that is, I will write that down as a bit." And then mm-hmm. you remember how writing bits works. And I was actually just rereading John Roy's entirely free comedy class that's on Tumblr. 
And I like he has a great way of explaining how something funny happens with your friends and how you can set up context for strangers so they understand what happened between you and your friends making it funny. It's like I always go back and read it maybe once a year. Hmm. And it kind of yeah, yeah. makes me less panicked about not writing new stuff. What do you wind mm-hmm. up doing? One technique, I don't know if this falls under, you know, a solution for writer's block per se, but one technique I always go back to is, um, and I want to ask you a question within my response, but, um, well, let me ask you first. Um, All right, I think you and I are fairly similar in how we work in terms of, and this isn't incredibly unique for comedians, but I I keep a notepad nearby at all times, um, and sometimes if I don't have it, you know, you still got the, the little digital notepad on your iPhone or whatever. But you come up with an idea, you know, and, and those just those hit you out of the blue most of the time. Most of my best premises or whatever came while I was just doing something mundane in everyday life, not necessarily while I was sitting down to write jokes or whatever. But so an idea pops in your head, you write it down and in your comedy notebook. I guess what I'm asking you is the what percentage of things or ideas that you write in your notebook eventually wind up in in the hour or in the act for me it's probably 10% 15% yeah you know i i write i write 10 ideas down maybe one of them will make it into the to the hour you know i mean they all make it to the next open mic or yeah. or the next just practice show you know, but in terms of that idea that you wrote a year later, or six months later, is that a, a fully formed bit in the act? I would say probably 10%. And what I do, I love going back and looking at old notebooks. Maybe yeah. an idea I wrote five years ago or 10 years ago. And maybe at that time, maybe I wasn't skilled enough of a comedian to turn it into something substantial, but maybe now I am. Maybe five years later, I go back and, oh, I, my chops are better. My perspective is better. Maybe I can do something with this idea that I couldn't do with it five years ago. That, that helps me a lot with writer's block. If, I just, if I'm not coming up with anything new, let me go back and revisit the old stuff that I gave up on. That's, and maybe now I can do something with it. That's real good advice. That's Yeah, write everything down. Even when I'm like, that's too dumb to even write down. I Still, no, write no it down. Yeah, no write it thing. down. Because... <laughs> yep. You don't know, yeah, and in two weeks or whenever you look back at it, you're like, oh, that's why that was funny. Or Mm -hmm. I've thought more on that idea and developed it. Otherwise, without having written it down, I wouldn't even remind myself that it was a thought I had at one point. Mm hmm. That's, oh, that that reminds me, like, I had a a premise in a dream. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you ever have that, like, in a, a dream state. You're like, that might be funny. And rarely do I, I remember, so. and I keep forgetting. Just about how, like, like you go to an, like the aquarium, and like there's a guy that is inside the tank cleaning the tank. Just about, it's like I don't know where the joke is yet, but how like you're watching a guy <laughs> in there, and then the fish is like so confused, like why, why does he get to be in here? I don't, like I don't know what the joke is yet, but just about or how that guy gets to observe it close, and you're on. on I don't know. I don't know what the joke is at all yet, but as a premise, there's something mm-hmm. about the fish's thought on the guy who gets to be in the tank with him <laughs> versus everybody else. 
Yeah, write down every possible idea because at, at worst case scenario, you, you lost 20 seconds writing down an idea, you know? Even if it's the dumbest idea in the world, it took you 15, 20 seconds to write it down. Yeah. Okay, even if you don't do anything with it. I love that. As opposed to, you know, not writing something down and then... Months later, you're like, what was that idea I had? Now I think it might be good. Yeah. Oh, shit. I, that's the other thing for, like, any comics, young comics, expiring comics, write it down immediately. Don't ever think mm-hmm. you're sitting there watching a movie with your girlfriend. You come up with a premise, and then you think, oh, I'll write this down when the movie's over. When the movie's over, you've totally fucking forgot what your premise was, what your idea was. Write it down immediately because most of the time you will not remember it. Yeah, you, yeah. write it down. And uh, I love the Notes app on my phone. I don't really, I rarely, oh, yeah. and then I go back and look at them and then handwrite from there mm-hmm. and that gets the bit flowing more. You get the little bit of notes down in the, in the phone and then handwrite it out because handwriting does something creatively. Mm-hmm. Like I start getting more into it and more ideas start coming around when I start handwriting things, but yeah, you always and got your phone easier you. to edit. It's easier to edit when you write it down, too, in terms of, you know, I learned some tech. Somebody taught me early on the te- technique of just redlining, like go through, your, write down your joke and then go through with a red pen and mark out every word or every sentence that is unnecessary. That that helps you really streamline it and utilize that word economy and just, you know, get rid of all the fluff and just get to the meat of the actual idea. Fucking no fluff. That's my whole act is fluff. My problem early on in my career is I, I would write out jokes like like some people. Andy Sanford still does it, and he's brilliant at it. He writes, when he tells a joke on stage, he has written and considered every syllable as opposed to other comics, which and I kind of do both. I, some of my stuff is completely written out. Some of it I write on stage and just kind of riff and see where it goes. But my problem early on when I would write out things, I, I would write out my jokes like word for word, and it helped me in terms of word economy and, and, and efficiency, but sometimes it felt like I was up there reciting a script. That's yeah, but that, you have but that is a good that. like idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I I don't work like that. I can't. I never know how it's going to come out of my mouth until I'm telling it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's the other thing. Like some of my best punchlines or best tags are things that just came in the moment on stage while I was riffing or what we call writing on stage or whatever. Like it's just something about you. It's hard to. Um, what am I trying to say? Just that your comedic instinct. You know when let's say you're you're riffing on stage with an idea like some of the best stuff is just your instincts and your reaction to thing as opposed to sitting down and trying to write out what's the best punchline for this idea blah 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 you know which is another thing stuff is just off the cuff which another thing for writer's block is you tape yourself because you always think you're telling jokes a certain way and once you watch it or listen to it listen to a recording of it you're like, oh, it would make way more sense if I said this part after this or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you're not necessarily yeah. writing a new stuff, new material, but you're rearranging things to make them better, which I would yeah. never do that. And I started recently, especially being off for a year, I'm like, I'm, I for, I'm glad I was taping my sets 
before things locked down because I didn't remember what anything was. And I was like, oh, here's a better way to rewrite that joke. Hearing it instead of just saying it out loud from your notes. Hearing yourself mm-hmm. say it in a, in a performance setting gives a, it's a whole different perspective. And I wish I had been doing oh, yeah. that. I should have been doing that all along. Yeah, because it's the little nuance that maybe doesn't read on the page. But, you know, nuance and inflection and, you know, how to just how to deliver something as sometimes just reading it off your notes, you, mm-hmm. you're going to miss some of that nuance. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know what? Jacob has a question here that ties into what we're saying here. Kylan Dave, it almost seems like you have taken comedy to an academic level. All right, easy. But uh, who, who would you say have been your biggest mentors in the different elements of comedy? That kind of goes along with what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Dwayne, Dwayne Kennedy was like always the dude that anybody in Chicago that worked at the same time Dwayne was working, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. an influence. It was undeniable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he just would get like, I just the, I just like just the ease with which he would hang out on stage. Because you hear all these people, you got to say something right away. You got to do this. And John John Roy, John Roy's a guy who's told me like, don't why are you trying to do a joke right away? They don't even know who you are. They're getting used to looking at you. Mm-hmm. Be up there for a little bit. Put your drink down. Say hello to people. Mm-hmm. They're deciding whether or not they want to listen to you. You're going to come at them hot right away with some shit. So that those were important. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than a comic who's just on autopilot, like where you could just tell that they've they're doing the same jokes in the same order with the same tone over and over and over. Like just uh I don't know. I've never liked that. Like yeah, no. there's something I guess to admire about the efficiency and polishing it up. Okay, I get that, but just we used to have a guy in Atlanta, I won't name his name, but we called him Hackbot. Because not only was a hack, he was also a robot. Just, I mean, it was like someone just wound him up and let him go. And it's like, oh, here he goes. And, like, we'd be in the back of the room, like, mouthing his set word for word because we've heard it a hundred times and it never changed. Yeah, Ugh. I knew those guys. There's, like, they're technicians. Or the, but there's no soul to it, man. Mm-mm. It's like, yeah, there's just no, there's no heart in it. Like you, yeah, you can tell there's no life behind their eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like people, like, yeah. And I never want. Go ahead. I was gonna say, but people that like mentors or people that made me like want to challenge myself. Sean Patton. Uh, to watch Sean Patton always go down oh. some path of like. There's no way this crowd will accept what he is telling them. Mm-hmm. And he makes it work. He'll take the most fucked up things. There was a dude there. You know, you know the Cranes comedy show at the bar, the bar Cranes in downtown L.A.? 
I think I remember that one. Yeah, is it? That's not the one that replaced. Uh, um, what was Dave's Ross, Dave Ross? Oh, holy show? fuck! No, holy fuck! No, no, no. no. Replace that. This is, it's Trish Hadley, and I I feel bad. I cannot remember the other producers' names, but the one dude had a joke, and it was weird because he's like a new comic, and he had this joke about how. Telling someone to calm down is the most offensive thing you could say to somebody. <laughs> and I was like, all right, here's a weird premise. And he was like hosting. Too. Like, or he was doing a spot, but he's like, he's one of the producers. You know, you, the producers, you put on your own show so you could do time. So he's kind of newer mm-hmm. guy. And he's like, imagine if I just came out here and called you all the N-word, just to your faces. <laughs> and there was a black woman like right in front of the stage. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. What are you doing? I hope you know what you're doing. And people are like, fucking, same thought. Like, all right, where are you going with this one? It's like, imagine I said it. And you would be outraged, as you should be. Now imagine, in the middle of that outrage, I just said, calm down. That's pretty offensive, right? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was like, it was laughter, because it was a good joke, and also relief of like, fuck, we didn't know if we were going to trust you, but now we trust you with anything, because you let us down this yeah. path. And got us scared for you, and it was hilarious. So that kind of stuff. You belching up that broccoli? I hear you. Sorry about that. Yeah, I tried to cover that one up. That's, but, that's mm, all right. We're all, we're in through. bad shape on this one, man. Yeah, slipped one past the goalie there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but. oh man. Yeah, that's the thing. That's a great question, Jacob. Um, not to sound like pandering but like my influences or mentors or whoever you want to call it my favorite comedians are my friends you're one of my favorite comics andy sanford's one of my favorite comics rory scoville sean Patton, ryan singer like people and i know that's like no that seems obvious well those are just the people you're around but like no like these are the people that i don't know how to explain it but like I, I I don't know if I'm bi- I'm obviously biased, but like, is it because I already know them as human beings as opposed to a, a comic, maybe a famous comic or whomever who I don't have a personal relationship with? But I mean, I think about the level of talent that's just in my friend circle. Like, it's it's I think it's inspiring in that too. That like, okay, I don't, you know, comics are competitive, and. Yeah. I never thought like I'm going to be the king of the block, you know, I'm not going to be the best comic around, but like when you're hanging with, you know, the likes of the people that I just mentioned, like you got to step your game up. You don't want to stick out in a negative way. Like, Oh, why is he on this show? You got all these killers and then Dave's here. What's he doing? It forces you to step your game up and and to, to grow. Knowing you're going to have to follow one of those guys on a, on a show. Mm-hmm. Like, let me just not embarrass myself entirely. Yeah. Which I have yeah. done. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, like guys like Rory have, like, that's a whole other level. I, I was thinking about this. The comedians that are famous now are not, and not to shit talk, are not even fucking close to the best comedy that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, the people that are getting Netflix specials and stuff, and some, you know, some are, they're good, and they deserve it, but some of them, like, you're not even close. No. And I, 
Like why? Why? I, I don't know what it like. Like a Baron Vaughn or a Chris Fairbanks should have what these other people have. Yeah. You know, or like Deb to Giovanni or so like all these fucking killers should have that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. It's just trends. You know, I think just bro comedy is in now. So. Well, and the thing, too, that and the, I know this is inside baseball stuff, but like when I, I've been out here nine years now in L.A. And when I first came out here, like, well, and, and still up until the big break recently, but like there's always like the flavor of the month. Like, oh, this this guy's hot right now, or this girl's hot right now. And a lot of it has to do very little with their comedic talent. It has to do with right place, right time, or maybe they're checking off a certain box, or they're... I, I won't go down that, but I'm saying... Um, yeah, that's... Okay, you're you're the flavor of the week. And and you, you, got, a, you got a tight five. That's great. Good for you. Uh, let's do an exit poll on their headlining shows and ask the crowd, how, how was, how did they do for 60 minutes? This flavor of the week who barely has 12 minutes. Well, uh, it's, that's why standups, the great equalizer. Cause you can't, you can't bullshit your way through an hour. I mean, people do, but my point is like the cream rises to the, to the top. Like, yeah, you're you're the flavor of the week, and you know you got a good agent and blah blah blah. But that doesn't necessarily equate to you crushing hour after hour on the road. No, but there's a willingness to like be a part of the machine. As as a former flavor of the week, uh, I can say that it's like, all right, the stand up's great, and now what's all this other stuff you're willing to do to be famous in in the limelight? It's like, oh, that other stuff was not. Real fun, like pitching shows and doing that. Now it's podcasts, which mm-hmm. some people are very funny, like off the cuff, shooting the shit. And I, I also think like there's like a friends group with podcasts now, of like all the comedy ones. Like everybody's on everybody else's podcast and the whole <clears throat> all things comedy crew. And I like a lot of those guys. And they've, you know, they, they've lifted each other up. So, but also like, just because I disagree with who has Netflix specials sometimes, it's like, I don't know, more people watching comedy is a good thing. Yeah, true. In the end of it, more people watching comedy be like, I kind of like this stuff. And then they go online, like, who else is like this comedian? And then people will suggest other lesser known mm-hmm. comics. Or it might inspire yeah. somebody to be like, I like that comic. They're playing at a comedy festival. Oh, I'm going to go to that festival and see all these other new comics. And those comics also have the opportunity to bring openers with and expose, you know, let openers, like, here's, here's a great opener you people should know about. So if they're not doing that, mm-hmm. if they're bringing hacks just so they look better, that's a weak move. Mm-hmm. But. Which does happen. Sure. But, you know, I think for the most part, respectable comedians will bring people yeah. that are going to crush. I used to have a good buddy. I won't name his name. You probably know who I'm talking about. Uh, who was a good comic back in the day, but was so bitter and jealous. He was just, he, it just ate him up how, like, he was so envious of anybody who was having success that wasn't him. And I had to remind him one day, like, hey, man, just be glad we're in an industry or we're, we're in an art form 
or whatever you want to call it, where people can have great success. Mm-hmm. Like that's like you said, more people liking comedy is a good thing, as opposed to we could all be flautist or fucking. <laughs> You know, some weird thing that, oh, nobody gets successful I'm doing a, this. I'm a road like, flautist. I didn't really do the L.A. thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, just be glad that that's a possibility. Be glad that we're in an industry where, you know, you could come up with a good 10 minutes and then you play your cards right and boom, next thing you know, you got a TV show or something. I mean, I I know it sucks when people who you find untalented – uh, are are becoming successful, but at least just be glad. You know what I'm saying? Like we could be in a blue. Who's a famous bluegrass musician? You know, I mean, there's a few out there, but I'm saying at least comedy is a thing where you can have success. That the general public does have uh, somewhat of an interest in it. You know, just in in seeing. So what if that you think that guy's not worthy or that that gal's not worthy of her success? Just be glad that that success is possible. And maybe if you keep working hard and get lucky, it could happen to you as opposed to other other fields where no one's successful. I, I used to get jealous, and I still don't like how much I shit talk. But, yeah, it's like you got to, like, really get to the zen-like point of, like, why am I doing comedy? Is it because this is mm-hmm. my outlet? Like, all my creative thoughts, I have a place. And this is the thing John Roy talks about. He's like, hey, you know all those weird thoughts? Open mics, that's where you get to say them. You finally have a place. That's where you've been writing them down. Mm-hmm. At first, just enjoy that. Enjoy that part of yeah. it. That you can get up, and then on a good night, it feels great. <clears throat> Five-minute spot on an open mic that people genuinely like, not playing to the back of the room type thing. Stop. you got to not want more than that. You can hope for more, but you mm-hmm. can't like rely on more than that. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I get it. Man, a lot of comedy questions here. I will say, yeah. J- Jacob Rivas, do y'all have any teachers in the arts ever encourage you to do stand-up or pursue your skills in comedy? That's a good question. I had one. I had um, my freshman football coach was also my drama teacher. I like that uh, mix. Guy named, yeah, guy named Les Conley. And especially in deep rural southern Georgia, um, it was, he was like the first guy, he was, he was, a, he was a masculine macho dude. He was a football coach, but he also taught drama class. And I, he was the first guy or male figure in my life that I, that I was around that it was like, oh, you can be into sports, but also be into acting or comedy or music and he really um i obviously you know i didn't do stand-up in high school but he saw something in me and uh and he was oh he was my freshman football coach but he was also a baseball coach anyway he was big into sports but in yeah and he was like hey man uh you need you're funny you need he he tried so hard to get me to come uh, be. I was in the drama class, mm-hmm. but I never did any of the extracurricular drama productions because they always conflicted with my sports schedules. Yeah, that was, a, that was went, a tough group to hang out with. Yeah, but he's the first person that told me. Other than my my parents were fairly supportive or very supportive in that, like, hey, you're funny. You need to try to do something with this. And back then, I was like, what? What are you kidding me? Like. What do you mean? Like I, the concept of of a career in show business when I was a teenager was like, 
Yeah, my, yeah, I'd like to be an astronaut too, but how does that work? Um, <laughs> but yeah, Les Con- Coach Conley was the first guy that was like, hey man, uh, you're a great athlete, but there's there's more to life than sports, and you have some talents uh, elsewhere than just sports. And he tried to uh, get me into uh, – I, I took his drama class, but every quarter he was trying to get me to quit whatever sport I was playing and come do a uh, – the, a play. Is it a chance that you were and, just uh, that I, bad at the sports? <laughs> no, I was actually good. You're, you're, you're blowing our <laughs> Which, chance at uh, at a championship, Dave. So, aren't you? <laughs> we're doing fiddler on the roof. How do you think about that, huh? <clears throat> but no, seriously, without bragging, I, I was a good athlete. But that's no, why it that's it fun. stuck to me. That's why it meant something. It's like okay. He knows and I know that I do have some talent with sports, but he's also pushing me in this other direction. So he must really think that I have some sort of talent, you know, in the dramatic arts or whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, he was a big influence. And I've never reached out to him since then, but I every now and then I think, like, oh, I wonder if I should reach out to him and just let him know that, hey, I pursued a career in, in the arts. And a lot of that, not a lot of it, but he kind of planted that seed. And um, so, yeah, that, that, that always stuck out to me, that that was super cool that uh, Coach Conley – because – you know, a lot of high school coaches are just so one-dimensional, but it was very refreshing, especially in the South, to have like a yeah. a, a dude, a, a male influence, who's like, "Hey, man, you should try to you should try out for this play." And I was like, "That's you know, very before cool." Before it was all just yeah, because before it was just all just football and baseball and this and this and this, and then it's like, "Oh shit, there's." There's other stuff than just sport. And looking back on it, like I loved playing sports and, and you know, it, sports is great. Team sports is great. It teaches you a lot of stuff about life in terms of, you know, sacrifice and teamwork and stuff. But man, I, I do wish I would have probably spent a little more time, you know, pursuing drama or whatever, yeah. you know, in high school, because obviously look, I, you know, I'm not a professional athlete, but I am scraping, scraping out a, a meager living you're gold, in the arts. Gold medals on that treadmill. <laughs> but yeah, that always stuck with me. I just thought that was so cool because it's hard to explain if you haven't lived it. But in the South, there's just so much of this weird, closed-minded machismo, you know. And it was, just, and I just got bombarded with that. And thank God my dad wasn't like that. My yeah. my dad was a he was a he was a dude's dude, but he wasn't just a just a macho idiot yeah. but there's so much so many macho idiots in the south it just it really had an impact on me at like 15 like oh here's a football coach who also <laughs> can sing a show tune that's, i just thought like, that was super that's cool so yeah like like here's like teaching uh young men to be well-rounded and open-minded mm-hmm. to other opportunities that's really cool man yeah it really was yeah, I didn't have any of that. I was just, I was just like, once I realized that I could get people to laugh, like everything, like I was just disruptive. Like every class was an audience. And I remember one teacher, like junior high, after like we, we were like some series of videos we were watching, and I was just roasting them, just you know, mystery science theater through the whole thing. <laughs> I remember like like everybody's walking out, like, all right, all right, none of you are going to be comedians. People were like, Kyle's going to be one. I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> so, but I don't know about. I had a guy in college. I took, but I was already taking improv. And the guy's like, "Yeah, you should, you should be serious about doing something with comedy." Oh yeah, 
Yeah. But he was also just he's like an improv teacher at the liberal arts school. He's just trying to get laid and stuff. But he did. No, but that's important. Did take a moment to to like for like a serious like you need to take this take comedy like the joking phrase, but take comedy seriously. Yeah, that's important on, on a young person to have someone kind of an unbiased party. Of course, your parents. You know, a lot of people's parents are so supportive that maybe it's not. It's not truthful, like, but it's to have biased, an unbiased yeah. third party to be to to be like, no, you need to do this. I I ask that question um, rhetorically a lot when I see terrible comedians, or not just terrible comedians, but like, we all know those comics, you know, kind of the open mic level or even beyond that. That like, okay, not only are you not that great of a comic, which is fine, but your personality you have no personality i often ask like who told this person to try comedy it's because some people it's like it's no one surely no one ever said you're funny you should be a comedian i mean and I'm sure i know several comedians I'm sure there's some are like they're not they're like i want to be a comedian yeah maybe that's it maybe no one told them but hey this is what i want to do there was a dude, I think I told this story before, but there was a dude in L.A. who had, <clears throat> you could tell he was like very influenced by Seinfeld and could write an observation and could write joke, can technically write a joke. But you could mm-hmm. tell he was just going like forming sentence structure like the subject goes here, predicate yep. goes here. That's a joke. Yep. It is. Technically, it is a joke. It, yep. <laughs> it doesn't have to be funny for it to be a joke. That's the thing. Just because you know how to deliver it doesn't mean it's funny they're not even deliberate but and, and the guy was just so frustrated and gets so pissed off he's like i wrote these jokes these are good jokes i'm like they're not you're just looking at it like mathematics and it's not math there's mm-hmm. exactly there's another element of like personality and comfort and making people trust you or fear you or f- feel something towards you mm-hmm. originality people need to feel yeah. people don't feel anything towards you that that you've lost already. Yeah. Even if they hate you, at least that's like some there's that's some energy in the room. Mhm. So Yeah, there's uh there's a lot of comics like that who have figured out technically how to do stand up, but boy, there's just there's nothing behind it. Yeah. That's- and I I think I think the 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 factor there is are you naturally do you have a natural sense of humor as opposed to, you know, yeah, you could take anybody and with enough practice and enough, enough thoughtfulness, you can, like you said, you can figure out how to arrange, write and arrange a joke. But if there's not that natural sense of humor behind it, it's, it's just, it's just nothing. That's why I can't make, I, I know I can't make jokes with my mom because she just plows right through them. Yeah. She's telling. She's talking to me. I was talking to her today. She's about to talk about like how it was years ago, but she like had an allergic reaction to like shrimp from Denny's. She's like, but I'm not allergic to shrimp. I'm like, I think you're allergic to Denny's. No, but it was the shrimp, Kyle. It was the shrimp that did it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, there's no no acknowledgement yeah. of like a. Oh, I know, right? Like, not even a pause <laughs> to like make light the thing, light, lighten up the conversation. Hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> like, all right, just why do I even try? 
She's funny without realizing. I told you about the one day she's like, she was talking about aging, and she, without joking, she's like, oh, Kyle, it's like Benjamin Button in reverse. Like, that's, you, that's exactly what aging is. <laughs> you do, that's, you just, that's exactly what age, aging is, is getting, be, being born a baby and then getting old. <laughs> Which is the, why Benjamin Button was a movie because they did it yeah. the other direction. Because it it was the opposite. Yeah, that's why that was interesting. <laughs> I was like, you're killing me. Oh man! So, Any more comedy questions? I, I like getting into the nuts and bolts of comedy every now and then. Oh yeah. Feaser says, as a Patreon subscriber for years now, can I claim Dave, Dave as a dependent on my taxes? I'm going to say yes. I'm not an accountant, but I'm going to yeah. say yes. Yeah, I think that's fine. Charlie, shut up. Charlie's so anxious today. Tegan just got home. I got to tell her about the cops. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, story, story for the next episode. <laughs> uh, here's a great question, uh, Savage Garden Gnarden Narden. Uh, <laughs> if you could mercilessly, mercilessly. Mm, Mercilessly, did I say that? I don't Mercilessly, know. Mercilessly, yeah. If you could, if you could beat the holy hell out of any living person with zero repercussions, who would it be? Man, that's a great question. I feel like I'd want to save it. Hmm. Now with that, like you always think, like I want to kick the shit out of that guy. I want to beat that guy up. But then, given the question and like to a choice, it feels like. Like, not the Christian thing to choose on Easter Sunday. True. (laughs) I would probably, I don't have a specific person in mind. I mean, there's some obvious ones. Yeah, Trump, that'd be nice. Yeah. But, um, man, people who don't return their shopping carts, I'd love to just walk up to them and just punch punch them right in the fucking mouth and pick them up and throw them into the shopping cart. And I know it's... There's worse things in this world, but just the entitlement of like, I'm done with this. Leave it here. <clears throat> I, like fucking walk it 30 feet to that fucking buggy bin over there, you entitled asshole. Yeah, lit- litterers. Litterers, same thing. Just, yeah, done. You know what's, I, I'm, now there's another comic, Tristan Killian maybe? Tristan, I, I I don't know his name. I, he's a Mormon comic, but he has this great joke about how he can't believe that you could just buy bike locks. Mm-hmm. Like, stores open, and you just lock it to their doors. No, it's not. <laughs> what if you just carried a, cha- a chain and a padlock around, and anybody that wanted to ditch their shopping cart, you just chained it to their car? Ah. Oh, that's a great idea. That's funny. I'm thinking of thinking of things like that. I don't, I don't have one. I'm not going to choose one on Easter Sunday. Okay. Good for you. Also, I don't have. I'm thinking like those nuisance things, but like beat the sh- like. I feel like I want to save it for a true injustice. Hmm. Um, Alex, Wynn, would you rather have definitive proof of or contact with aliens? But no, there's no God, and everything's chaos. Or learn there is a God, heaven, and eternal afterlife, but we are, are alone in the universe. 
Alternate question, are pre-shelled pistachios cheating? They're not, but I don't think they taste as good because I think shelled pistachios, you earned that treat. So mm-hmm. the, the work adds to the flavor. <laughs> and uh, Proof of aliens, I, I know there's no God already, so proof of aliens, dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Straight up, don't yeah, tell me because I really want to know. <laughs> oh man! Straight out of my girl Paula A. <laughs> man, I was all about that song in sixth grade. It's a hot jam, dude. Another me first in the oh, Gimme Gimmies that I was belting. Really? They do that one? Yeah, they That's do theme fun. albums. Like, do they do a country and western album? They do a Divas mm-hmm. album of all uh, female artists. They do a Show Tunes album. That's funny. One of their earlier albums is just like they're like it's a fake live album that they're playing a bar mitzvah. Childers, spam bologna or Vienna sausages? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, spam or bologna. Not a big fan of the Vienna sausages. I like uh, I like some spam and I like a fried bologna sandwich. Yeah, Ooh, bologna, cheap white bread, cheap white bread, some mayo, fried bologna. Get out of town. I do love bologna. Mm-hmm. No lie, loving bologna. Mm-hmm. The Vienna sausage, those are one like the like the chopped ends, right? The little the canned. Yeah, the little canned ones. Cocktail weenies. Mm-hmm. I I would never get those for myself, the, but like if I saw them yeah. sitting around, I'm like, all right. Even, I mean I, back when I was on the on the meat wagon. <clears throat> hmm But yeah, bologna. What you I think we got bologna, clear winner out there out of that. Well Yeah. And spam's all right. Spam's you know a little salty for my taste. I uh, I think I've talked about this uh, thinly sliced boar's head bologna. Oh boy, it's that was the premium bologna when I was a kid. <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, you know, we we didn't have a lot of money. You know, I didn't want for anything, but there was there was very little frivolous spending when I was a kid. But it really was like we'd get the Oscar Mayer or the whatever bologna. But then every now and then. Dad was the big one who he's the big proponent of boar's head. Every now and then he'd come home with some deli sliced boar's head bologna. And the, oh boy! The idea of you thinking there's such a thing as premium bologna <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was a lot better than Oscar Mayer. It was solid bologna. I only know Oscar Mayer, and I love me some Oscar Mayer. Mm. And I'll add, I'm telling you, um, uh, shit. What am I thinking of? Liverwurst, you liverwurst guy. We I know yeah. we've talked about this. Yeah, we had uh, down here in Long Beach. We had liverwurst. Oh, at Joe Joe's. Yeah, over at Joe Joe's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good near Alex's bar. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like a little liverwurst. All right. Man, you know what? It just made me think. You know what? I miss so much. Fucking Red Lion. Oh man, we had some times over at Red Lion. Big old sausage sampler plate. Cheeses oh man, it. that's sausage, and they had a liverwurst thing over there. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. Mm. Ooh, hold on, a I second. love a good German bar. 
Good German bar. Sorry, Tegan's home. She's just knocking. She's just knocking on the van real quick. So I'm parked out in front, <laughs> looking homeless. Um, yeah, well, things are open here now, so I don't know. I, I still don't want. I don't have a vaccine. I don't want to go anywhere. But yeah, um, Alexandra Onesto, are psychics just grifters, or do you think some people can actually communicate with the other side? <clears throat> there was that Matt Damon movie where he he could communicate and his life was hell because of it so i think if you truly could if you truly could communicate with the dead i don't think you're just gonna have like a shitty bungalow with beaded curtains and a neon sign of a palm (laughs) in your window uh true good point uh so that's my yeah i don't know on that I've always been interested in that. I, I don't know what to think about that. And I know, given my propensity towards believing almost anything that we talk about on this show, um, I still don't know. I just, I think my problem with that is, like Bigfoot, I can, I can imagine how the, a Bigfoot could exist. I could imagine how aliens exist. I just, I don't the pragmatic side of me just doesn't understand how someone could have psychic abilities. How do you, or if, if they did, how's that possible? Yeah. If they did and they told a doctor about it, they'd be heavily medicated. Mm-hmm. So that like, and again, I, I keep, I'm referencing a lot of other comics and stuff, but that's like old Mark Marin bit about like, you see a homeless person just walking down the street yelling like, I can't, I, I can't like, what if God's real and he's talking to that guy <laughs> and mm-hmm. we think they're yeah. crazy, but it's God going, come on, man, you got to tell everybody that you're the second coming mm-hmm. of Christ. Like, I can't do it. <laughs> so yeah, I think you'd be taken as crazy and medicated. <laughs> so psychics are a money laundering scheme. That's my take <laughs> on it. It's really no overhead. Huddle of FUPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. You, no, no, that, that's it. They're, they're a scam. They're, they're obviously okay. a scam. But if it makes you feel better, if you if you're right parting with fifty bucks to have a old woman with a milky eye tell you everything's going to be okay, <laughs> then why not? There's other ways to spend fifty bucks. True. Oh man, puddle of fupa. Uh, Dave, I was so excited. I bought hogwash and gravy brown. Got it in the mail yesterday. Realized I had no record player. Really? <laughs> I appreciate that. You 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 bought my album and didn't realize that you didn't have a record player. You don't have a download uh, code in there? <laughs> no, no download codes on this one. Really? Uh, can you? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't provide the little download card, which uh, that's one thing I was confused about. Anyway. Uh, Puddle of Fupa asks, can you please suggest a low-end setup to start me off? Not an all-in-one, but like two speakers, a record player, and do I need a receiver? Help a noob out. Um, I'm not much of a gear guy. I, I just I don't have that mental capacity with electronics and stuff. Um, but I, I got a good one. I got a uh, – first of all, uh, stay away from Crossley. Those are the the budget turntables, and those are fine if you're a child – and you you know you're starting out, but an adult needs to spend a little more than eighty nine bucks on a record player. Uh, Crossley suck. I have the Audio Technica LP one twenty, and it's been great. I've had it for about three years. 
Uh, you could probably get one for around 250 bucks. But yeah, Audio Technica LP120, uh, real solid record player. And uh, yes, you will need an amp or receiver, whatever you want to call it. I just have a little basic Sony amp, uh, works great. And then I have just, I don't know anything about speakers, but I have two Sony speakers, look like the size of shoeboxes. You know, standard you get, 12 by 8. If you want to spend the money, get studio monitors. Yeah, studio monitors. Uh, yeah, if you want to really get high-tech with it. Um, not even high-tech, yeah, they're just I, like I, super good quality speakers. Y- yeah. <clears throat> I, um, I got a Newmark USB thing for the few records only because you plug it into your computer and so you can get the file from the album into your mm-hmm. computer and then it, like it turns it into an mp3 yeah i think and, uh that's i have that with the uh the audio technica oh, too already, i, I, I don't built into those things yeah i don't utilize that feature but it's nice to know that it's there but um but yeah get you i think i paid 250 or maybe 300 for the record player um i think i paid like 100 bucks for the amp and then maybe 80 bucks for the uh the the pair of speakers so Less than five hundred bucks, you could get you a real nice setup. Um, yeah, and eventually, um, that's something I'll get into. I mean, you can some of these these vinyl people get real into the gear side of things, and I mean, they've got these. I don't know enough about them, but uh, you could drop two grand on a turntable easy if you wanted to. But you know, if you're just listening to it around the house, whatever, you know. 250 bucks audio technica uh that's that's a good good one it's yeah. done me well so there you go <clears throat> puddle of fupa let me say you want to crank out one more yeah one more i got uh, gotta, i got more prep to do you got here. easter dinner to make for you and your missus <laughs> that's right that's right got some chicken you gotta get ready some chicken thighs what do we got here and some ribs <clears throat> um Occam's electric toothbrush. <laughs> That's a good one. Did you, did you all go through the phase as children of being fascinated by, terrified of the Bermuda Triangle? It was right up there with getting into Greek-Roman gods for me. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. There was a... Was it Time Life Books? I don't even remember this, David. It would be like an infomercial. That was like Time Life Books or National like News of the Weird, and there were collector cards... Hmm. It was basically just like some scam to like keep getting more and more cards, like decks of cards with like little tidbits of information. And the, the, I, I, don't oh, know I don't know if I'm going to look up if I could find it. But yeah, Bermuda Triangle was was a good one because it was always yeah. it was just it was like what would just things just disappear into the sky? Things mm-hmm. just go away. Like you didn't know about aliens as much. And I also think it was like the early one you like one of the first ones you heard of, you know. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, that is one of the first paranormal things I was aware of. Amelia Earhart. That story got me sucked in. Well, <laughs> pun intended. Got me sucked into the Bermuda Triangle. I was. Uh, it, it's a fascinating thing, especially as a kid when you don't quite understand. I just thought it was like actual like magic like oh people literally disappear and that i mean i still don't quite understand everything about the bermuda triangle but same thing as during that kidnapping craze of the 80s 
Yeah. And my mom told me that uh, kids, she kept talking about how kids just disappear every day. And I thought that, like, they literally vanished. I thought there was some sort of mach- mechanism or machine that bad guys had, and they just they type into it like a microwave, and then a kid just literally vanishes in thin air. Yeah, it's funny, and like, if, you're a, not ex- a, a, if you don't explain concern. explicitly what you mean to a child, they're just like, oh, yeah. are they going to take it at literally? Like, oh, no, I'm, I, I mm-hmm. meant... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I took it literally. I thought, like, oh, shit, like... Like I could just be walking to the park one day and just vanish, poof. Yeah, you know, I didn't. She she was talking about kidnappers, you know. But I literally thought that you could just vanish. And uh, I mean, like I said, who knows what's up with the Bermuda Triangle? But uh, I'm assuming I haven't done enough research on it. But I'm assuming you know weather patterns and stuff y- maybe y- causing I- planes to to go down into the ocean, whatever. I remember, yeah, being a kid and my dad, not one for imagination, was like, it's a highly trafficked area with unpredictable weather. It's all explainable. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> so, much for, so much for the mystery on that one. Yeah, thanks, Dad. But my grade school library, I remember I had this whole section of, like, ghosts and vampires and Bermuda Triangle, a series of books, and I, I just couldn't get enough of them. And the fact, I think yeah. Bermuda Triangle, too, is like, Oh, it's like connected to America. So it's a more like I've been to Florida shit. That's like part of Florida. And then Mm -hmm. it was stuff of recent times. You know, Mm -hmm. ghost stories were always like the 1800s. This place was how and like that was a real time thing. Like it's still here. It's here now. Yeah. Are we going to fly through it? Do we have to fly through? I don't want to fly through it. You know. But yeah, you're you're right. That was a good starter. Occam's electric toothbrush. Hell yeah, man. All right. Well, all right, patrons, thank you so much. As always. We do appreciate it. And we still have more more of these questions to get to. Yeah, we'll we'll save uh the ones from this batch and, and do it again next month. I'm sure there's well, we probably got about half of these today that, that we did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, That's dispatches from the road coming soon. Yep. That's gonna be yeah. that's gonna be exciting. Whoops, I walked away from the mic. I forgot that you can't do that. Yeah, if there's no episode posted on Tuesday, that means we had no Wi Fi and we're in the desert, uh high on mushrooms. Um But we'll try. So yeah. Maybe maybe the patrons could spread the word on social media to, to the non patrons. Or uh, you know what? Maybe maybe that's what the non-patrons get for not being patrons. Maybe they just fucking figure it out when they figure it out. Yeah, you suck know, it, cheapskates. The patrons, the in- inside <laughs> scoop. <laughs> Sincerely, thank you guys. We appreciate the hell out of you. We really do. Uh, if you enjoy all this bonus content, uh, st- stupidity, dipshittery, uh, tell a friend. S- spread the word. All right, spread man. the word. You guys stay safe, stay sane, stay healthy, and. Uh, yeah, Kyle, you and I got some uh, desert living to do this week. Yes, that's tomorrow. But today, he has risen. He has risen. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you.